Hi, welcome to episode 603 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I pay $12 for my health insurance. And by the time I'm 70, I'll have a nice little plan. Whatever that means. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today it's Fantastic Four, volume 4, number 2, from February 2013. Voyagers by Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley. And it begins on Yancey Street at night, with Ben standing there yelling out, Listen up, dummies! This is my last will and testament, and I'm only going to holler it once. I don't know if that's legally binding. He screams out that he's going away for a while, and tells the gang to watch over the neighborhood, and if not, uh, he'll make them pay when he gets back. I'm so over this whole Yancey Street gang, by the way. They never tell us enough about them to give a shit. What kind of gang are they? Do they sell drugs? If I try to sell crack, as I'm wont to do, on, Yan on the corner of Yancey Street, will they pop a cap in my ass? Or are they some other kind of gang, like maybe a sex gang? Or, you know, do they have sex parties? Or are they like one of those gangs that have like backyard wrestling events? A fight club? Are they that kind of gang? I don't know. Next, we see Ant-Man, Scott Lang, shrunken down in a very strange evil-looking environment. No, it's not Newark. It's in the inside of Reed's diseased arm. At this point, Ant-Man is the only other person who knows about this problem that Reed has, the decaying, unstable molecules in Reed's arm. Scott takes some cell samples and he grows back to regular size. Meanwhile, Sue is introducing Medusa to all the kids, and Medusa says to Sue, no one is bowing. Really? When did she become such a bitch? She's startled when that floating head in a jar, the Moloid kid, flies over and says, Your Majesty? Next, Ben and the She-Hulk are chatting while working out in this weirdly uh, empty gym room. They're under these big weight machines and She-Hulk is lifting about 85 tons and Ben says the first to 100 tons wins. She can lift 85 tons but last issue, she was in a normal gym, punching on a normal punching bag. Is she stupid? There's an announcement that in 15 minutes, there's a meeting of the so-called senior staff in the Omega Room. Which is the last room I'd want to go to. So we see this new Omega Room, and it's huge. No way do they actually have room for this in the Baxter Building. Unless, you know, stolen Doctor Who technology is involved. Reed welcomes everyone to this new room. At least they acknowledge that it's a new room. The Baxter Building is constantly adding new rooms, yet we never see construction workers anywhere in the headquarters. Who's doing all this work? Constantly new rooms all the time. No construction workers. So the Fantastic Four are there, and Reed calls this the safest room in the universe. I find that hard to believe. There's these big giant these big, giant holes in the floor and catwalks with no railings, no railings over these big, giant holes. And there's a big, giant ball of fire floating in the middle of the room. <laughs> now, it looks like the most dangerous room I have ever seen. 
Medusa, Ant-Man, and She-Hulk are there, but Reed points out to Johnny that one person is missing. So Johnny has to go get go beg his girlfriend, Darla, to join. Why Darla? Why her? That makes no friggin' sense at all. So Johnny ends up back at Darla's place, begging her to join the Future Foundation. He says, it'll only be for four minutes on a Tuesday morning. It's a PR stunt, really. The Fantastic Four will be traveling in time. They will return in four minutes, which is the plan. Darla says, I'm kind of a big deal, like in music. You know that, right? She says she has a world tour coming up. 19 countries, 140 venues, six stages, and 50, 50 costume changes. Now let's say you go to a concert and the performer changes costumes 50 times. Even if it only takes her two minutes to change costumes, that's like an hour and 40 minutes of her changing, of waiting for her to change costumes. Let's say it only takes her one minute to change costumes. It's still 50 minutes for her to change costumes. And how many songs does she perform in concert? 50 songs? Who is she, Bruce Springsteen? Let's say she does 25 songs in a concert. That's still two costumes per song. It's nuts. Plus, I don't know Darla from a hole in the wall, but she totally lip syncs, doesn't she? I can tell. Johnny says, let me show you how amazing it is to be in the Fantastic Four and why you should do this for me. So he takes her back to the Baxter building and he shows her a big monkey in a tank. That's always the best way to impress a lady. Reed says it's not a monkey, it's an offshoot of Homo habilis from a couple of million years ago in a suspended animation tank, which was brought there by accident in one of their trips to the past. And next we see Johnny, Darla, and that monkey man teleported back 2.6 million years into the past. The Homo habilis is happy and runs off, but next, they're about to be attacked by a big red dinosaur. Kind of a red, like, devil color. And that little monkey man jumps on the dinosaur's back. Well, that looks familiar. Johnny flames on, but before any kind of fight, he and Darla are teleported back to 2013. That little adventure seems to have psyched her up and done the trick. So later, on the roof of the Baxter building, the Fantastic Four are there, about to leave with Valeria and Franklin, and they're saying goodbye to the replacement FF and all the other kids. Plus there's reporters up there, and Johnny is still convinced that it's gonna seem like they're gone for only four minutes. So the Fantastic Four get on the ship, and they off they go to some other universe. The replacement FF, in their new red and blue Fantastic Four outfits. Are they, or are they not, the Fantastic Four? Reed seemed to be telling Scott in the last issue that they were only joining the Future Foundation. It's very confusing. So Darla, Medusa, She-Hulk, and Ant-Man wait, expecting the real FF to return at any minute. Ant-Man says they won't even know they're gone. And the issue ends with a full page spread of the Fantastic Four and the two kids looking very excited as they go off to parts unknown. And that is the end of that issue. And then in FF Volume 2 Number 2, the gang, they're still on the roof waiting and waiting and waiting 
and they realize that the Fantastic Four will not be coming back. At least not in four minutes. So now Scott Lang, Scott friggin Lang is there, in charge of the Fantastic Four and the Future Foundation, which he's not ready for. And then Mole Man shows up, and isn't that an appropriate fight? Mole Man vs. Ant-Man? And Darla, does she have any powers at all? She finds one of Ben's old thing exoskeletons and she puts it on, becoming kind of a she-thing. They defeat the Mole Man, and the issue ends with Johnny Storm coming back from that portal, saying that the Fantastic Four are dead. Well, are they dead? We'll find out next time. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at PodcastFF. And you can download other episodes at iTunes to find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This short podcast is over. I know that I messed up a few times or what you won't call it. I know if I fell down, you changed the way that I saw it. Child, the damn thing gone wild. Hey, oh, never wanted to be foolish.